So have you ever heard of a restaurant taking one of its best items off the menu? This is a news article that kind of hit the wires last week. There is a, I guess, a Thai restaurant in San Francisco that put an item on their menu as a joke. It was called the Dak Biet Fried Rice. And get this. This is what it was in the Dak Biet Fried Rice. Okay. Wagyu sirloin, caviar, truffles, three types of crab, and the dish was presented ostentatiously. I'm in. What the chef wanted to do is make fun of the American culture. It had a $72 price tag. (laughs) But despite that, the restaurant didn't earn any money on the dish. Joke's on him. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome, one and all, to Touchpoint. This is episode number 236. Chris Boyer and Reed Smith here as always. As always. And now I'm very hungry. I want to get some uh, Wagyu fried rice, I suppose. It does sound pretty good. I am hungry. We're recording this on a Friday. I've been on calls most of the day and uh, looking forward to a good dinner. Yes. (laughs) Just not that one. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in for another episode of Touchpoint. Uh, We certainly appreciate the support. Uh, And it's just, it's, it's really the only reason we're still doing this, to be perfectly honest. Well... I don't know. Maybe that's not entirely true, but it, but it's one of the main reasons we're still doing this is because people listen and we get great feedback. And I would love if if you can to go over to the website, touchpoint.health. While you're there, you certainly can check out this show, the episode, other shows on the network, all that kind of fun stuff. And, and, and we love that you do those types of things. But you'll notice up in the top, up in the top hand navigation, I mention this every week, but it's the TPS report. It is an email that comes out every Monday morning to get your week started. So five articles aggregated by the show host, um, just give you some good insights, some good reading, uh, some good things to think about, uh, topical things to think about as you start your week. So, uh, be sure to do that. Rate, review, subscribe, stream, whatever, you know, wh- wherever you get your podcasts, uh, we would lo- love to hear how, you know, feedback, all that kind of fun stuff. So, We'll pause here for just one second while you go do that. Again, touchpoint.health is the website, and then we'll be back with today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint. 
where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. Today, Reed, we're going to be talking about how different types of digital marketing, that is different frameworks, I suppose, of digital marketing are starting to kind of overlap and uh, dare I say, even converge. And I guess what I'm alluding to here is the type of B2C digital marketing that we do, which a lot of hospitals and health systems do. And then the B2B marketing, which again, many hospitals and health systems do and how those, those things are starting to come together in the digital landscape. Well, and just, I mean, if we think about it, you know, most B2C stuff that we're doing is the patient acquisition component uh, of the business. And a lot of service lines are geared that way. Things like, you know, that are elective, like joint uh, replacement, bariatrics, sleep. Uh, we've been through these before. I think the B2B one is really interesting. We're starting to see more of that. I would even lump recruitment marketing potentially into that bucket, but is, you know, that referral base and physicians building connections and things like that. So it should be good. Should be good. So I think this will be a neat episode. You got a good interview coming up that we'll talk about here in uh, just a little bit. But the first uh, first article, Chris, that you pulled from uh, bullseyestrategy.com is B2B versus B2C marketing, understanding the differences in the year 2021. Now, let's put a big caveat before we go into this, because this is a really great simplified way that we could kind of approach the subject, Read, but we'll, I think we'll also find out that as we get, get into this, that uh, bullseye marketing actually kind of simplified some of these concepts. And I know when when, when we come across those, well, we might add our own little flavor to, to their interpretations. They start off by saying the differences between B2B or business to business and B2C, business to consumer marketing, can create complications because on the surface, the only thing that separates the two appears to be the audience. But underneath the surface, there's many more differences that kind of come into play, which make doing these two separate things very, very unique and distinct from one another. So it is more different than a letter apart in the alphabet may suggest. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It says in here that that how they kind of define it, I guess, B2B marketing targets businesses which is in the name, but more specifically the decision makers of the company. So it's really marketing. They say this aimed at the C-suite and leadership team members, you know, the decision makers within the organization, like they said. Now in healthcare, we can also think of B2B as uh, to a certain extent, you know, how you reach out to maybe referral sources. So it could also be, you know, physicians, which I guess, Technically, physicians are sort of the C-suite of a practice, so to yeah, speak. They're own, right? they're their own business in a lot of cases, right? They are they are the business. But on the B to C side, the business to consumer side, it's as they say here, it's it's really about selling products or services directly to an individual customer. And when brands and companies use B to C marketing to target and engage those individual consumers, it's more of a one-on-one type of relationship. It's a little bit different though in healthcare, right? Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's a one one-on-one or individual type thing, but it's to groups of people, I guess, right? Yeah, like groups or maybe even household members that are making decisions for that household, right? And we think about that often. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess technically I'm following along and I kind of agree with their 
their definitions. And they go on to say that since B2B and B2C have such different audiences, that the two efforts rarely overlap in a single marketing campaign. Mm. This is where I start to kind of diverge a little bit from the way they say that, because I think that they rarely converge in terms of like being the same type of activities. But I think they kind of overlap, particularly when you're thinking about maybe promoting a service to you know, hospital service, let's say orthopedics or what, what have you, you're promoting to patients directly, but you also are promoting to referring physicians. And those things can overlap in many cases, right? I think they do, because to your point, even B2C messaging may be delivered through a B2B campaign. Is that what you're saying? Sort of, kind of? Exactly. Or like if you create, let's say you create a web presence around a particular service, you're going to have people that are both consumers wanting to choose that service and the B2B audience in healthcare coming to that same website. And maybe even consuming the same type of content. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Especially if you think about the higher acuity pieces or maybe like international or or things like that because you have international patients looking for care as well as international physicians looking for referrals, for example. So yeah, that makes sense. Outside of the different types of audiences, they indicate here though that everything from long-term goals and branding to the decision-making process is going to vary dramatically within each marketing campaign. And they actually outline a couple of these in the rest of the article here. So I thought it would be good for us to, to kind of address each one of these. So the first thing that they point out uh, in these three are, are goals. Are, um, the emphasis, they say, on return on investment, uh, which we talk a lot about, versus uh, emotion-driven. So they say that B2B focuses on educating a buyer about a product or service. The purpose of the marketing collateral is really to bring in the ROI, is to, is to sell something, right? It, it's the benefit to the business in the long run, et cetera, whereas B2C is more emotion-driven. So the idea of like B2B marketing would be, hey, you need this because it's going to make your business more efficient, more effective. It's going to make you a better company or a better organization or increase, you know, increase your margins or that kind of thing. It's, it's hinging on this idea of a financial piece. Whereas what they're saying here with the B2C is that, um, and we talk about this a lot in healthcare, that it's, you know, hey, let's market the outcome or the benefit. They talk in here that unlike B2B buyers, B2C buyers purchase with their hearts. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's probably, I'm kind of, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm rattling these service lines in my head. I think that's mostly true, you know, because again, I mean, you're, 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 you're marketing, you know, with things like joint replacement, you're marketing a, a better lifestyle, you know, less pain, you know, you can bend down and pick up your grandkids, you know, the, like that's where this is, you know, headed in a lot of cases, right? It's, it's not so much about, you know, get a new hip and all of a sudden you're going to be wealthier, right? Like there's, there's, it's not the financial component. Right. And rarely do we in healthcare market on the cost of our services for various reasons we've discussed before, right? No, let's not get into that. 
That's, that's a whole different episode. We won't say like our uh, our MRIs are cheaper than than others in the market because a that probably isn't good marketing and b that probably isn't true for most hospitals anyway, just given the way the health systems are. But still, you know, I think about that though in terms of from a B two B side in healthcare. I guess return on investment is not necessarily the right way to say it. I think maybe it's more of return on value. You refer your patients to our orthopedic services, for example. We'll take better care of your patient. We'll communicate with you on a regular basis, and they'll have better outcomes. And we're you know well-trusted or what have you. Or if you're selling your services to, let's say, uh, a provider that wants to use your surgical suite or what have you, uh, oftentimes what it is, it's around the, the value of that experience that they have with your health system. And that's where I would say that oftentimes here in, in, in healthcare, we're also starting to think about the experience when it comes to B2C as being a differentiator too. So that's where I feel like maybe when we start talking about different types of marketing than just, you know, the bottom line stuff, we might actually be talking about the same thing. That is working with our health system will give you a better experience and give you better value. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably true. I mean, you think about, you know, I go back to Texas a lot when I think think through some of this stuff because, you know, they, you, you can't employ doctors in Texas. So this idea of marketing to physicians and physician liaison and outreach to docs and stuff like that is important. And I think that is the case. I mean, you're selling benefit. Like, how do we make your life easier? How do we streamline? How do we support you? You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay. So the second thing they say is a little bit different is the decision-making process, and which includes the length of the sales cycle and customer acquisition efforts. So here they go on to say that B2B marketing has to appeal to several buyers. I think we know that, right? We're talking about the primary individual who was delivered, you know, that information, and then the various different stakeholders involved in the buying process. Now, comparatively, in B2C marketing, you really only need to target one individual, the person that's the primary buyer. And they typically don't confer with a team to make the sale or consult with other family members or friends or, or those types of things. The B2C prospect, they say, tends to convert quicker and encourage a shorter sales cycle. Now, again, in healthcare, maybe it's a little bit different because there is an intermediary that you have to confer with. That is your insurance provider, right? To, sure, to make sure that the service is covered. Yeah, I think so. I was just trying to kind of think through, is it a shorter process? Is it... I mean, I get it. I mean, you're, you're you're marketing to a consumer, therefore that one person has to make the decision. But to your point, there's a whole other factor in here around, you know, self-pay versus insurance versus some, you know, government fund like Medicare, Medicaid or something like that. It may not always be up to the consumer, I guess, to your point. They go on to say that, right, that the intricacies of customer acquisition dramatically impact the type of content that you deliver to these audiences. So here, think about this. They say that for B2B marketing, you often provide in-depth ROI feature-focused information to draw approval from a consensus, like a group of people, the buying group, so to speak. And it's designed to answer the questions in the sales cycle. Whereas with B2C marketing, they go on to say, I want your reaction to this, Reed. They can afford to be more playful and favor simple, easy messaging that quickly sums up the product's emotional appeal and feature benefits. You can afford to be more playful. <laughs> I guess, if you say so. 
I mean, I, I get it. Sure. I mean, it's, you know, quick to the point, you know, that kind of thing. I, I think this is all on, you know, predicates that like there's more due diligence around the B2B versus B2C buying decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a much, has much, much more, uh, uh, scrutiny on the types of decisions that's being made. And I think that, I think that does translate to the hospital and health system world for sure. Finally, the third piece here, we talked about the decision-making process. We talked about goals. The third thing they point out is branding. So relationship building versus recognition building. So with B2B marketing, they say your branding works to build relationships. B2C is the purpose to generate loyalty. So again, back to B2B, build relationships. So it says since B2B marketing targets up to 10 people with each business transaction they close, it's crucial to form bonds between buyers to encourage a conversation. And on the B2C side of the equation, it, you know, building loyalty, they want to connect emotionally. We're back to the emotional part. And confirm credibility to motivate that single person, if you will, uh, to purchase. I get it. I think I get fundamentally where they're t- what the distinction they're trying to say here. But I would argue that a lot of what we're doing on a on a, a current state marketing efforts in healthcare is to build relationships with people. So, are we meaning that we're just trying to build loyalty, and that's not really a relationship thing? Is it just to build top of mind awareness so that the next time your family member gets sick, you say, "Oh yeah, we should go back to this health system or this clinic." Is that kind of what they're trying to get at? I'm I'm not sure if if I agree with that. Yeah, I don't know that I agree. With that. I mean, I think the complexity with healthcare changes this a little bit. I mean, something our friend Matt Gove has said for a long time is that there there is not loyalty in healthcare. There's just preference, and we confuse the two sometimes. And so I think that maybe plays into here a little bit. It's good to build relationships, certainly. And again, on the B two B side, I'm thinking about physicians specifically. Um, how do we communicate effectively, make your life easier, you know, take care of your patients, send your patients back to you, you know, that kind of thing. Like that's all, you know, we're building that relationship, but you know, the loyalty on the B2C side, I think while maybe there's a chance to connect emotionally, I think it's more out of convenience. And they sum up this article by saying B2B marketing builds relationships and B2C marketing builds trust. I would argue that you probably want both. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Regardless of which audience you're going after, but I guess building a relationship without building trust doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it's just interesting. Reed, when we come back from the break, let's talk a little bit about how like when this stuff goes digital, really, this is really where the rubber hits the road for us. What happens when we start to get into this kind of relationship building in a digital sense? And we'll do that right after this break. All right, before the break, we talked a little bit about the differences in B2B and B2C. Now we're going to talk what happens when it goes digital. Uh, All heck breaks loose, right? (laughs) Yeah, what happens when this goes digital? So this is actually uh, actually an article from our friends over at Forbes, as I like to say. Um, 
And, uh, and it's titled exactly that. What happens when relationship-based selling goes digital? So this is talking about B2B sales, right? When you say relationship-based selling, you typically mean this in the B2B space. And they even start off by saying, even before the pause of face-to-face interactions last year, the shift to digital was already happening. And Gartner predicted that 80% of B2B sales interactions between suppliers and buyers is going to occur in digital channels by 2025. 80%. Of B2B sales interactions between suppliers and buyers will occur in digital channels by 2025. That's interesting. This is why no one is a traveling shoe salesman anymore. I think that would be quaint to have a traveling shoe salesman show up at our door. Man, I'm telling you, I think it'd be amazing. That used to be a thing. Like People used to be shoe salesmen. Not so much anymore. Not so much. Yeah, today's B2B buyer, they say here, expects more of a B2C-like experience when it comes to the sales process. What that means is, is they want to be able to get their information online and get it digital and maybe even not talk to the person at the business, right? Like many, like we've talked about like consumers today, they'd rather do all their interactions online or not really talk to the other side. On the B2B side, could you imagine that space? So that means sales professionals have to learn how to sell how they buy, which gives a new meaning to the idea of standing in the customer's shoes. Speaking of shoe salesmen, by the way, yes, it's ultimately about meeting the buyer where they are in terms of the channels, content, and expectations they have. Huh. Sounds a lot like B2C. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is interesting what this means for sales executives if we're moving all online. I think about like car sales, for example, you've seen this a lot in recent years where you've got like Carvana and, you know, these types of organizations where you can just buy stuff online and they just deliver it to your house and pick up your car and leave. Like you never go to the dealership. The first iteration of that though, I think was like they had the internet sales department. And so I think that's just a good example of like how a lot of this is, is evolving and it has been evolving for some years. It's probably just been accelerated as of late. Uh, next thing they point out is that the challenge for more, most organizations is that this change demands a different type of engagement at every level. So from marketing and sales operations to sales engineers and architects, be a sales architect. God, I know. I just thought, boy, I would either really want to have a drink with that person at a, at a party or just run away. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, but I get it, right? I mean, what it talks about here is that your entire organization has to be aligned to speaking and value to prospects and customers at all times and all, and all channels, if you think about it, right? Because you could be engaging with potential prospects with every person that visits your website and fills out a form or you know anybody who may just in some way identify that they want to learn a little bit more about your organization, suddenly you have to be able to start to shift the way you're communicating and effectively, quote unquote, selling to them through all these different channels. And that goes into the messaging too, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got to be able, they say in here that the entire organization has to be aligned on how to speak. What is the value to the customer? I mean, we've talked about this in a long time, but like, you know, when you're when you're selling joint replacement, like we talked about earlier, you don't want to talk about the new robot necessarily, or the technology, or the fancy building, or something that doesn't resonate with people. They don't have any context for that. Like they don't know what to compare that to. Like it's like, okay, well, I, I guess that sounds good, um, but you want to talk about the outcome, the benefits, the value. You know, you can get back to life faster. You can start playing tennis again. You can hold your grandkids. You know, that that kind of stuff. B two B sales. They go on to say. 
are will no longer be product focused. With the faster shift to digital, the customer, their needs, and the measurable value you can deliver to them are essential. These are B to C concepts from what we talked about in the first part of the show that now we're using in the B to B space. Interesting. It is very interesting. You know, last couple of points here. Uh, they, they say that one of the advantages of you know digital taking over, if you will, in B two B, is that a lot of sales tasks are you can be automated to allow you to have time to personalize the approach and become better versed in the value. So again, if you're able to automate a lot of the process, then you can spend more time being a person. Is basically what this is saying, right? Oh, is that why I'm getting all those LinkedIn solicitations oh, that are very gosh. personalized? <laughs> We don't even have time to get into that. But but I mean, think about it. We talk about marketing automation a lot. This is sales automation, right? Sales enablement and training. And that's a shift. The shift to more digitally driven interactions, it's never been more important for your sales teams or the people that actually do this B2B outreach to start to take that and translate product service, traditional selling purposes into the buyer's language in non-technical terms through that preferred channel and tailored to that unique interaction that you're going to be having with that prospect. And and they kind of close it out by saying when your team can translate that value into specific needs of each person and and the apartment weighing in on the purchase decision, that there's exponentially more, more of an impact. So again, people like the idea of value. Now, that's not to say the ROI piece goes away, right? I mean, there's still a financial component to this that's, that is very beneficial, but really touching on those needs. You know, it's interesting. We, we, were, we mentioned at the top of the show, right, that these two frameworks, these two worlds are kind of colliding and converging. And, you know, as we talk through this today, right, I really started to see that a lot of the things that we're doing in either space from a B2B and a B2C side really are definitely coming together, at least in the digital space, which leads us to the interview. I just recently sat down with Brittany Hansen from Haley Sue, friends of the show. And we talked about, she runs digital there at Haley Sue, and she's been working with health systems and a variety of other different kind of health organizations around B2B and B2C digital marketing strategies. And in this conversation, we talked about how these things are distinct, yet very much interrelated and becoming interdependent upon one another. It's a really fascinating interview, and we'll go to that right after this break, and then we'll be back to close out the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to the Ask the Expert segment of the podcast, and today I am Really delighted to have someone new to the show who hasn't been on before, but someone that I have worked with before in the past, and I've come to admire all the work that she's done, and she's got some great expertise to share with you, and that is Brittany Hansen from Haley Sue. Brittany, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. I know through our conversations and some of the collaborations we've done in the past, this is going to be a really interesting topic uh, for us to talk about. And you have some great 
pearls of wisdom to share with um, our audience today, but no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) But before we jump into the actual conversation, some people listening in may not know who you are. So this would be a great opportunity for you to share a little bit about yourself, your background and, and where you are right now, what you're doing. Brittany Hansen. I've been in uh, digital and operating within the healthcare sector probably for about 10 years. I've been with uh, Haley Sue as the director of digital for about four and a half years now. So leading all of our digital efforts from strategy to optimizations, implementation, and data visualization too. I'm currently in our headquarter city in Duluth, Minnesota. So enjoying the big Lake Superior and all the nature around. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we do have um, other locations in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul and Richmond, Virginia. And you work with healthcare organizations across the country and, and spend a lot of time with them. And I know that we've had other people from Haley Sue on the show before, but I'm excited to talk to you because you are a digital expert and you've been <laughs> leading a lot of those initiatives. You said you've been in this space 10 years. Boy, has the digital landscape changed over the last 10 years? Oh my gosh, it's changed. Well, it changes every day, as you know, but uh, in in the past decade, definitely, we've seen probably umpteen algorithm changes, right, Chris? (laughs) Easily. That's on one day with Google sometimes. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) But the strategies and the tools and, you know, the introductions of things like social media and just the different ways that healthcare organizations are using our digital tools have significantly changed. And I think very much for the better, there's been some ups and downs and some privacy concerns and things like that. But I think overall, we now have a wide plethora of tools available to us. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, anything from the outposts of, like you mentioned, social media and with the rage of TikTok now too, but also you know, the way that we report and pull together all of our KPIs and and visualize that even the software landscape for that is um, booming. So it's been very interesting, to say the least. (laughs) I love that you talk about data visualization and KPIs, because as you know, I'm a big data measurement kind of guy. So that really warms my heart. But today, we're going to be talking about something that's kind of related to that. And we're going to discuss the different types of digital activities, or, or, or frameworks, maybe is a great way to say that, that healthcare organizations utilize when they're reaching out to their different audience stakeholders. Um, and, and so let's start with like kind of just high level talking about this concept of digital frameworks, because I think that when you think about digital marketing for every other industry, healthcare hospitals, maybe not so much think about it this way, but other industries think about it this way. They kind of define these general outreach efforts around things by the audience. We've heard of direct-to-consumer or B2C as a concept. We've also heard about B2B as a concept. Let me uh, start off by, let's talk, I'd love to get your perspective on, on that itself, like B2B and B2C and how that intersects with what we do in the healthcare industry. Predominantly, anytime we're kicking off an initiative, it's safe to say it's going to be a B2C effort. Not saying that's the way it should be always, but I think that's typically what you see, right? We we look at raising orthopedic admissions or surgeries or anything like that, and we go straight to the consumer with a key message of, 
get back to your life, right? (laughs) Stop putting off that pain, stop living with that pain. And it's definitely a a different approach. We also work on a little bit also on the B2B side in, you know, referring physicians into eating disorder recovery uh, treatment, for example, would be one of those. So totally nuanced in, in how we expect to connect with those people. And I think, as we with the ortho example, it would be a typical formula. I, people are on Facebook, people are on Instagram, we're going to push our message out to them in that way. And with B2B, it's such a longer buying cycle or sales cycle. So knowing that we have to shape it and frame it up in a different way, it, it's definitely a different approach to both. You know, when we think about like B2B and B2C, I think to many digital marketers over the last you know, decade that you and I have been in the healthcare space, right? It's like, we never really thought about it in that kind of context. But what's also interesting is, is that how you were describing a little bit of the framework is very much the perspective that we have when we work in this industry around these frameworks. It's like, right, um, so B2C, we're going to use Facebook, and we're going to use websites, and we're going to use Google paid search and a variety of other things, right? Those are our tactics to kind of fit into this. But it's much more than just the tactics as part of our that, that framework strategy or that outreach strategy. There's a lot of elements that kind of get built into our digital strategies for these different audiences, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think you say like the elements and I always envision this digital, this ecosystem and how they overlap and play together and, and kind of work off of each other. It's an ecosystem, but I also, we, this is such a buzzword, right? Right now with um, building our patient journeys, so mapping out their entire journey and understanding what their trigger is to seeking care, regardless of which, um, you know, it's going to vary from service line to service line, but understanding what that trigger point to seeking care is, what key message needs to be delivered to that person at that time. As you mentioned, the tactics, like what channel we're going to reach them on and then how we continue engaging them and bringing them back along that journey. I think that's one way that we could probably do better at understanding what the clinician's role is in that, how we are incorporating them in our communication, educating them in that entire patient journey. And their role in supporting and engaging on that patient journey. Yeah, not just like a in-clinic experience, but what their role is um, throughout that to get them in there. And re-engage probably isn't the right word, but you understand, like, get them back in. And COVID is such a perfect example where so many people were putting off care. And and I think that's a a perfect example of how they could have had a stronger role in reaching out to patients and getting them back in. Because patients trust their physicians. They trust their providers. So they would trust that it's safe to come back in, you know? Reed and I have been talking about this a lot on the show is that, you know, Digital marketing is, is is well beyond just digital advertising that leads to a landing page, like a single point in time, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's actually now what we're doing is, and you're right, it is a buzz term, the journey. <laughs> it's talking about the journey, right? About all the different ways and touch points and the right kind of content along the way and the right types of people that interact with engaging your consumer audience or your patient consumer audience, as I like to call them, along their particular journey uh, so they can actually get the right information at the right time. That's no longer just a very single point solution. It's now multiple things, multiple touch points, multiple, in this particular case, even audiences that can help to 
improve and facilitate that journey. And it's like you said, the right message at the right time. So that that's being really honed in, like you said, on the journey mapping side of things, but then also keeping a close eye on how the consumer is interacting with that message, revising that message if we need to, and optimizing throughout the course of whatever initiative you you have going on. To that point as well, a while back, my team and I put together this um, really great, it looked kind of like a hub and spoke type of thing. But at the very center of it, if you can kind of envision at the very center of it is the person that we are trying to reach. It's the person, it's the consumer for whatever service line you have. And then it's sort of like an onion where you have these peels around it. And it could be biases, it could be thoughts and beliefs, it could be their support network, all of those layers are impacting that person's decision making, you know, so they have all of these outside sources that could be a contributing factor by delivering the message as well, you know, and urging them into whatever action we want them to take. And then the kind of spokes out from it are the different ways and methods that we can reach them. So you kind of start to pick and choose, right, on which method is the best way understanding that you have to go through all of these layers just to really break through and get to the consumer. And then not to mention all of the extra noise that is in the digital ecosystem already, right? We're competing with multiple different messages. It's just a different way to think about putting together that messaging strategy and that um, connection strategy. And it's it's really incorporating more of the stakeholders that could be, uh, like I said, influencing that person's decision. Well, here we're talking about like from a, to a consumer perspective. So this relates to B to C, like how we're trying to reach consumers. But because of that, necessarily, there are other elements that we need to consider. And so let's flip over to the B to B side, if I can use that that terminology loosely, because it feels like a loose terminology here. You know, in my experience, we approach whatever challenge we're trying to solve on the B2B side, it's typically with referrals, right? Referring into a treatment facility or um, referring for home health or, you know, referring to a specialist from an independent facility. And so from that perspective, it's just, it's definitely a different approach and it's a different mix. Cause like we talked about, it's not like a, they see an ad, they click on a landing page link, they fill out a form and that's that. I mean, it's typically not that basic. And so understanding that the sales cycle is a lot longer and more nuanced, we typically approach the tactics for reaching them in a much different way than we would a consumer. B2B is truly trying to focus on that inbound strategy and leveraging your CRM. So for example, we have one client where they have a full CRM. It's not even used for consumer. It's direct referral sources. I should add too, when we go into planning, 40% of their business um, is made up of referral sources. So it's a very important key audience for their business. Utilizing their CRM and putting together a strategic and thoughtful workflow or automation process to try and reach out to them and, and keep them top of mind, essentially, has been one tactic that we've we've leveraged. Just trying to keep in front of them and also open the door for conversation for when this client is coming and knocking on the door to have a face-to-face or to set something up. 
So when you're describing this, I mean, I think it's clear, right? We There's different success measurements for either strategy, right? Your B2C is certainly very much about, you know, in hospitals and health systems, it's like kind of like patient acquisition, whereas B2B, it's more about awareness. It's more about how do we help them facilitate maybe even referrals into our organization. And those KPIs, because they're distinctly different, uh, also are uh, the underlying part of this is the overall customer life cycle, right? Is a little bit different, or the sales cycle is a little bit different. So these strategies seem like they're wildly disconnected from one another. It can almost feel that way. And I know that from my own experience, right? I'm working in a hospital right now, and sometimes we're like, well, the physician referral is this other department, and we're going to have them do that. And meanwhile, we're going to work on our B2C. But that's probably not the best recipe for success, is it? Right. That's so funny that you said that, because as soon as you said they're wildly different, I was going to say, yeah, because it's different people handling them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're interrelated, though, aren't they? Right. You see a lot of um, organizations that like they essentially put up silos to their detriment, you know? And so when you don't have both of these efforts speaking to each other, it's very easy to have disjointed and disconnected communications, even though you're you're technically trying to influence the same outcome, right? Getting the patient in the door, basically. That's I guess that's the ultimate outcome, perhaps. Or maybe there is a be- bigger outcome, because I've heard that said too, that uh, it's not necessarily about, you know, our outreach to physicians is not necessarily about driving bottom line referrals, although we kind of know it is. It's more about like, you know, we're promoting promoting awareness of our services to these physicians so that they can maybe effectively, we can kind of start to shift referral strategies to us. But they, they kind of couch it as something a little bit different, where in effect, what we're doing from a B2C is actually going to be emboldened and supported by this B2B outreach effort, but they don't see the connection. Yeah, it's a hard sell for them. Marketing does a lot. You know, like we need to be technologists. We need to understand and report back the effectiveness of what we do. Like because of marketing technology too, I feel like we are doing so much more and so much more is on us to make that sell to leadership. You know what I mean? Do we really have to take on one more thing? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people listening in are feeling that same way too, right? Let's bring it to digital because I think that it really comes to play when we talk about digital strategies that we set up in this particular regard, because you can actually, if done right, you can see the connectivity between a B2B digital outreach and a B2C digital outreach. Is that is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, if we think tactically with like the measurements of KPIs of the software, the what we're using, highly measurable. But our ultimate goal, my basically purpose in life is to figure out and help our clients figure out that full picture so that we are seeing patient volume, we're seeing spikes, we're seeing those valleys, you know? And so when we have these concerted efforts of both B2C and B2B working together to visualize those things as impacting the outcomes that we're talking about, aside from, you know, the marketing KPIs and the things that we can see are working. Uh, so in my mind, my I, I kind of went right to this this visualization, I guess, in my own mind, right, of like a graph where you say you overlay B2B activity with your B2C activity and your KPIs. And you could say, hey, look, we did this big outreach in the marketplace to our physician audience. And then six months later, 
we're starting to see more referral traffic coming our way. And ultimately that leads to supporting our B2C efforts. Is that kind of what you're doing and working when you're working with clients? That is what we are working towards. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you also have a brain like mine where it's like, how can I visualize this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's a hard thing to do, right? Because connecting those data elements together, it's, it comes back to the old age old problem of, around data standardization, maybe even, or, or, or continuity in the, in the experience. I'm a big believer that Data can tell a really good story. It's just how we have to tell it. So share with me kind of from your experience, ways that you're trying to solve that for some of your clients. I think part of that is selling the value of being able to predict outcomes, right? So if we are able to get our hands on and break down some of those silos, get our hands on patient volume data and incorporate that into our marketing metrics and our efforts so that we can look back after we've had an effort, what worked, what didn't, how we'll optimize for the future so that we can plan as marketers, we can plan much more effectively and meet, I think, a lot of the business outcomes that that we're looking to meet by growing certain service lines, filling up certain physicians that people just hired as a specialist and those types of things. It's really being able to sell that value of predicting outcomes. Wow. That would be tremendous if we could do that. And it would answer that concern that I sometimes have when we do B2C outreach. And they say, well, you know, that would have happened anyway, um, you know, because of the way our physicians are or what have you. You could draw a corollary between the two, right? Or maybe a causal relationship between the two. Do you have an example that you can maybe share? For one of our clients in rural Minnesota, we do a very holistic effort to get information out there to the whole network essentially, right? So we treat the internal team also as that like B2B source. We have to educate them, um, talk about their accolades so that the referring providers within that system understand that person. They want to make that referral as well as to consumers to really announce that this person's here. Now it's different messages, right? Completely. When we're talking to other clinicians, other medical staff, they don't care as much about what service they're going to provide to fix me, right? It's more so I want to know where you went to school. I want to know, um, like I said, accolades, all of those types of things versus the the real value to the consumer on the outward B2C facing message. And again, I think that the goal here is right to ultimately show the dependencies or the causalities between the two. That has always been notoriously difficult in in my experience to to actually show and illustrate. And because you are talking to different people, again, you know, you get your your physician referral team. You got even like in your case that you just described, like even employees right at the organization to to share maybe in the network, uh, other physicians in the network to say, hey, these are the value adds. But then ultimately, it's supporting a B two C underlying B two C effort. Do you need a CRM to do all of this? You you read my mind again. <laughs> It'd be so much easier for them to show that causality to leadership if they had a CRM. But I know CRMs are expensive. They take a lot of time to implement effectively, but they are very high value, especially in, in the measuring of these things. Settle this debate for me. Because CRM and PRM, Physician Relationship Management, Often two different types of databases, one B2B, one B2C. Are those really, should they be one database? 
yeah. I mean, why should why should they? Why do they need to be separate? <laughs> it just seems like it's a clunky way to handle your efforts, right? And then it even puts up more silos. So why ever, aside from obviously there are privacy concerns, um, but still, it's overcomplicating something that should be more cohesive. Yeah, I think so too. But again your data sets, right? And the data outcomes are different. So I think that it it makes it much like everything else in healthcare. Complicated? Yeah, it's complicated. So what's the answer is they silo it, right? They say, well, we're going to make this special area for B2C and this special area for B2B. I think we even do it with our digital tools, right? Yeah, B2B is... LinkedIn and, you know, email outreach and B2C, maybe email, but a different type of email and it's Facebook, you know, and by the way, we have to create our own physician portal for physicians to go to, which is a lot different than our website for the consumers to go to. That to me sounds like we took a a complicated situation and made it even more complicated. That's what it sounds like to me too. (laughs) How do you help people through that? How do you, you know, people are starting to think about this. What are some ways where you can connect them together and start making them be more efficient with their outreach? In my previous experience, oftentimes when we go to have conversations that might be a little bit more like, well, we really need to um, reach these specific doctors. We want to have a doctor focused campaign. For some reason, it was always, like you said, LinkedIn or email, but it was never fathomed that we should be marketing to a physician on Facebook or, you know, a display ad or anything like that, which I I was just so surprised by that because it seemed very narrowly focused when in reality, there are methods for us to more narrowly target physicians through deterministic data, third-party segments, especially if we're going to place programmatically. But on top of that, it's it's silly to me because physicians are people too. And they're, the data shows that they are using social media. It shows that they're on the internet. I don't know why they think all of a sudden physicians aren't searching, right? So there are still ways that we can build that holistic picture and then run two parallel campaigns together in reaching both that, that B2B audience and that B2C target. So what I'm hearing is that we got to use TikTok to reach doctors. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can just see the TikTok challenge coming. So I know it's very like tongue in cheek and joking, but um, there are a lot of dermatology clinics and chiropractic and stuff like that, that have a decent presence on TikTok and decent followers. So especially within the mental health realm too. There's, I think there is opportunity there. We're not going to reach physicians probably there, but there is opportunity for B2C. <laughs> well, uh, fair enough. And I agree with you actually on that. I do see a fair number of my time I spend on TikTok. I actually ha- end up viewing a lot of these uh, physicians or, or medical related. I guess it's part of the challenges of my job as I just spend time looking for things in healthcare on these channels. But anyway, <laughs> you're painting a picture of, of yes, this is complicated, but it could be easier and it could be simpler. And to that end, do you have any words of wisdom for people that are starting to think about this and maybe feel a little overwhelmed? How could they start to simplify their approaches in their minds? Part of the complicating factor is understanding stakeholders. And I know that and everybody listening could be very small organization to very large organizations. So team structure is going to vary. But understanding how the technology works together 
as a means to reaching these people, I always like to start with mapping out your marketing technology stack. And I think not a lot of people do that. Not a lot of organizations spend the time doing that because they're also being sold these shiny tools, right? And it's like, oh, if you get a CRM, it's going to solve all of your communication problems and it's going to be great. But you don't get that picture of how they all work together and how you utilize them effectively. So if you don't have that picture, it's definitely going to overwhelm you when you're trying to take on this new thing, right? This big audacious goal. Um, Sorry, my phone was ringing. Um, I meant to mute it. I apologize. Okay, perfect. Um, But yeah, so looking, you know, and mapping that out, but that's definitely one place to start. I think also, selling in like we talked about marketers have to take on more unfortunately to lead the charge and lead the innovation and that's um selling it and showing that we'll be able to predict outcomes by unifying these efforts getting the right people to the table also we've started in the past probably at least two years approaching the projects differently And that has to do with understanding all of the key stakeholders and the personas involved in whatever initiative we're being asked to tackle. Looking at their journey helps us identify who those key stakeholders, who we might be missing as a key stakeholder. So we can at that time say, you know, back in the day, it used to be women 25 to 55 or something like that were the, you know, key decision makers for all healthcare decisions in, in their household. And that's just you know, a message to a 25-year-old woman and a message to a 55-year-old woman is much different. But beyond that, I think more people are making healthcare decisions in different ways. So that that opens the door to conversation about running B2B and B2C at the same time. Brittany, thanks again for spending some time today and sharing some of your insights. It was a great conversation. Agreed. Thank you so much for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, special thanks to uh, Brittany for coming on the show. Appreciate the insights. Always appreciate the support and uh, that Haley Sue has given us through the years, Stephen Mogling and others. And uh, it's really great to have her on the show. I think this is an interesting topic. I think uh, like we've seen a lot of our efforts merging in department lines, blurring, um, you know, what we're doing from an outreach perspective in this case, B2B versus B2C is also uh, kind of doing the same. Again, quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health. You'll also, uh, if you go there and you sign up for the TPS report, you'll notice uh, while you get the five articles to search your week, there's also some quick links down at the bottom of that email for upcoming industry conferences and things like that. ShishMed is not far away, and that just starts a cascade, if you will, of other, uh, other conferences. So sign up, have quick links there, click through, register, all that kind of fun stuff. All right. Well, let's do a couple recommendations before we uh, before we split. Yeah. Okay. Read. I'll start. I'm going to recommend fish skins this week. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, fish skins. I mean, what do you think it means? It's just like it's just like pig's feet. But- <laughs> no, actually, fish skin. F I S H S K Y N. What they are are skins or or adhesive stickers that you could put on the outside of your computers or your iPads or your iPhones. Oh, you know, okay. Okay. you know what I'm talking about, right? Now yeah, these yeah. these they call them skins, right? That you put on the outside. I recently got a, a computer, a new computer, and I wanted to protect it because you know my computer. It, I, I tend to like put it through a lot of wear and tear because I take it out and do a lot of stuff with it. I wanted to get some protective skins around it, right? So I, I, in my mind, these adhesive stickers that go on the outside. And so I was looking online and I came across this website, fishskin.com, that, um, an S-K-Y-N, by the way, .com, that has some amazing designs for MacBooks, iPhones, iPads, and other devices, really expressive designs all the way from, go all the way from, you know, like abstract designs to very much geometric shapes, some some ones that look uh, kind of like, you know, uh, flags of different countries, if you want, uh, and others that are just interesting graphics of seashores or mountainscapes or what have you. Very, very catchy and edgy, I guess, I, guess, I would say from the design. And there are skins you could purchase them one of three ways for your computers. You can get one that's just on the top if you wanted to, just the top, the the lid, you know, the cover of your of your laptop. Or you can get one for the bottom as well, and it has design, so it's cut out for where the little you know your little pads are that your computer rests on. And then you could get even the third option where uh, it puts it on the inside of your computer as well, on the trackpad and on the screens on you know on this on the areas behind beside each side of your your trackpad on your MacBook. I tell you, the designs are what really drew me in, and the usability and functionality are great. It just looks really cool, and it's uh, keeping it clean and protected against all the elements. That's my recommendation. Nice. That's a good one. I like that. I am actually going to recommend an app. It's called Life360. And for those that have kids that have phones and things like that, it's just a great way to keep up with everybody. Um, so you put this on and, and so I can see where all the family members are. You actually set up places and locations like, you know, home or school or work or church or whatever. It'll alert you when somebody gets there, or leaves there, you know, those types of things. So, you know, as you have kids that get a little bit older, they're starting to move around more. They're going to people's houses. They're going to, you know, school and church and, you know, different things like that. It's a great way to kind of keep up and see what's happening. If you have people that are driving, it'll even tell you how fast they've driven, if they've hard brake, you know, all this certainly is getting turned over to the government, I'm sure. And uh, now I'm just getting tracked everywhere we go, but it is convenient. And it does tell me that my daughter's phone's at 9% and she needs to charge it. <laughs> you know, things like that. So anyway, it's called, it's called Life360. You can sign up for free and then there's some, you know, kind of, components hmm, to it cool. yeah yeah it's pretty simple really easy to set up uh, better go tell your daughter after this podcast that she needs to charge her phone yeah exactly exactly so well thanks everybody for tuning in we certainly appreciate it another episode in the books we're nearing in on episode 250 and uh, maybe we'll do something special for that i'm not even sure when that lands here in just a couple of months so Certainly appreciate all the support. We couldn't do it without you. Rate, review, subscribe. Let us hear from you online. Twitter, LinkedIn is the easiest way to track Chris and I down. And would love to uh, hear if there are topics we should cover, people we should interview, things like that. So, Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.